This time this morning is important. Our church uh, makes a significant contribution to missions, uh, particularly to uh, the Togo uh, missions that uh, we've adopted as a church. We have Garen and Susan serving full-time over in Togo, Africa. Uh, As you give to the budget, uh, a portion of our budget goes to help support their ministry. You have given significantly to see this team be able to go over and uh, minister the gospel and minister to Garen and Susan. And so I wanted to give them the uh, the time to uh, just share with us what God did through them. And uh, you're going to hear some great stories. And it's so exciting to see what we adopted as a church, come, all of this coming to fr- fruition and uh, is going to continue in the years ahead. So without any further ado, I want to introduce uh, Fred Henderson, the chief of this tribe, uh, as he introduces our team. Uh, thank you. Garen, could you um, kill that and throw up ours? Okay, awesome. Um, without further ado, the, I, this, these are not chief's clothes. These are basically African Sunday best. So... One of the pastor's wives actually made this and got this whole outfit for less than $20. So how cool is that? Okay, um, we said Togo Trip 2012 by you, and we just want to say thank you, church, for sending us and equipping us. And, and you'll see all of our ministries today reporting what, what your investment has brought forth. Uh, and we'll start out with the people who are going to support, Garen and Susan themselves. And Garrett, if you could just click in the bottom part there. Hello, Emmanuel. It's a pleasure to speak to you today during your worship service. I want to extend a great deal of appreciation to you for sending the team to Togo here recently. A lot was accomplished, and to God be the glory. Lives are continually being affected by the work that was done here. A recent example is a friend of ours by the name of Patience, who is a seamstress, who had sewn the clothes that the team is probably wearing in front of you today, had to go to the hospital here recently for some medical care. And as she was there receiving this medical care, there was a pastor there that was talking about his village and how a team from the United States had come and repaired the water source in his village and how excited the villagers are over this new water source and having clean water. And... It was just a blessing to hear that from her. Okay, I just notified we have a treat here today. Garen's mom is here in church. And if you would like to stand up and just everybody give her a round of applause. She's sent her son into the mission field. And now here's a word from Susan. Good morning, Emmanuel. We're excited that we can be a part of this service with you this morning. Uh, Having the Togo team here was a huge blessing to us, and their love for the Lord and their work so diligent and so hard every day was just amazing to us, and God used them mightily here in loving God and loving the people and setting a huge example for so many others that we worked alongside of, and so we want to thank you so much for being such a huge part of this and 
with all your prayers we know that every day you were praying and um, just all the support raising and the fundraising and your generosity and giving to us with Ma, the wish list and Christmas and the cards and the DVD. I just can't seem to um, say enough and just thank you for, for that. Good morning. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Roland Buck, so I had the privilege to serve the Lord in Togo recently with all my teammates who you'll be hearing from uh, shortly. Uh, that's our uh, great picture of us. Uh, for those that don't know where Togo is, it's in Western Africa. If you see it down there, that's in the big letters. Uh, it's kind of sandwiched in be, uh, between Benin and uh, on the east, Ghana on the west, uh, Burkina Faso on the north, and the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Guinea on the south. So that's where we went. Uh, just for comparisons to uh, things you might have reference to, the size of Togo, that little sliver of a country, is about the size of West Virginia, about 22,000 square miles. Uh, last time we went in 2009, they had a 6.7 million uh, population. Now they're close to 7, so uh, they're growing in size and population. Why go to Togo? That question gets raised periodically, so uh, I think hopefully the photo answers part of that to start with, uh, these great kids that uh, uh, come to see us. So why go? We just uh, had a message from Susan and Garen, so we're there to support uh, our missionaries there on the ground. Uh, we're there to support pastors in the north in, uh, in Togo. Uh, just a quick story here. Uh, you see uh, pastors, uh, uh, pastors there with Pastor Hector. Uh, uh, so you can tell there's a difference in shading of uh, skin color, right? So one one time when we were out working, uh, Pastor uh, Pastor Hector comes to me and he says, "Roland, what is uh, what does Yobo mean? That's what the kids are calling me." Well, what it, what happens is a lot of times when you get out to remote areas. They don't see white people, right? So what they do is they get excited and they yell, Yobo, Yobo. That means white person, white person. So Hector's going, well, you know, I've never been called that. I said, yeah, you've never been, ca been called a white man in your life, right? It's all, re it's all relative. And he was going, I'm not a white man. Well, uh, uh, the Pastor Boudelet, who's the f on the far left there, the one that's really smiling, he goes up to Hector and he rolls up his sleeve and he gets Hector to roll up his sleeve, and they do a little comparison, and he just looked at Hector and said, you're a white man. <laughs> we also go there for the lost, and uh, an adopted people group in the north called the Tamburma tribe uh, we've been going to and ministering to. Uh, uh, I, I know Hector will talk a little bit more about them later on, but, uh, you know, they, they still uh, worship other gods and do some sacrificing. So it's, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a long haul to, to try to bring the, the light to them. But one thing we did do is while we were up there, the, the children and uh, women's ministry ministered to them, and uh, we also put a new well in for them up there. Uh, not a new well, but a new pumping system. So uh, that was good. Uh, also, children ministry, which you'll hear about, that's why we go. Women's ministry, that's why we go. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about briefly the pump, but uh, that's a big reason why we go is to repair and replace pumping systems and bring clean, uh, clean water to, uh, to those that don't have any. And the pump team will tell you more about that. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to share here. Uh, had a little note on there. Success uh, returning to Mountaintop Village from 2009. For those of you that may remember the trip we had in 2009, uh, uh, let me back up and say, as much as we do, the need is so great, you always leave with a little hole in your heart for the things that you couldn't get done, right? Uh, and, and there's the, that case uh, this year. But this was the hole in our heart last year, uh, last time we went. Uh, we just could absolutely not fix this pump. I remember even Garen, you know, we were all walking down with our heads down, didn't want to eyeball anybody. It was just a terrible feeling. But God had different plans then because basically uh, what we found is uh, uh, God uh, helped us give living water to the uh, to, to, to the. Uh, village because uh, almost a huge part of the village came to Christ that day. We didn't fix their well, but, you know, something even better happened. Now, this is, we've come full circle here because that village now, we had this last trip replace their pump, and they are getting clean water up there, clean earthly water beside the living water they got last time. Uh, sharing the gospel with uh, listening minds and open hearts, listening intently. I can tell you that uh, uh, Africa, God is really at work in people's hearts because people are so receptive. We talk about sometimes in the States that it's hard to share. Well, in Africa, God is is really uh, uh, getting people's attention, and you can see the light starting to grow there, so... The other thing, too, is, you know, people want to know, what, where do the dollars go? We have all these uh, Togo mission, mission uh, events and whatnot. We collect quite a bit of money. What happens to that? Uh, I'm not sure how much is left in the account. Pastor Henry may know, but here's what we spent. A little over $24,000 total. Uh, the Harris's from their, uh, their mission uh, pump account kicked in about a little over $3,000 in buying Four pumps. We ended up installing three of them. Uh, and uh, what uh, where it went was pump uh, pump repair and replacement, a little over $15,000. That's the full loaded cost. That's to get the pump team, you know, from Ridgecrest to Togo and back and the care and feeding along the way. Uh, children's ministry, the same thing with the children's ministry team and expenses was just under $9,000 in about uh, $2,400 went to gifts to some of the pastors, also to the Harrises, and just gifts that we left. Uh, here's a little closer uh, accounting on, on pumps. For those of you that are interested in pump work, uh, out of that $15,000 we spent on pumps, almost $10,000 was for the team, and a lot of that expense is just to get everybody there and back, okay, and the care and feeding thereof. But the one thing, uh, one thing I always look at when people say, well, why don't you just send the money? Well, if you send the money, the, it, the work wouldn't happen. This is the price of getting, right now, getting people that can do the work there. And when you look at Togo Transportation while we were there, we did a lot of travel, and the team can attest to that, but it was only like about $900 in expense. 
And when you get, get to the bottom line, we serviced uh, seven pumps. Five of them, we totally replaced the pumping system. And uh, so that averaged a little over $2,000, $2,100, per pump if you look at it. So uh, to bring clean water to a village of several, several hundred people, they, on average, they have. So what's the result? Is it worth it? Well, healthier lives, reduced medical attention uh, and, uh, and illnesses, and an impact to Garen estimated all the villages that we touched with the water work uh, was over 3,000 people that uh, are now getting clean water that weren't before we arrived. So, uh, and I know the pump team will talk more more about uh, about this. So, pump team. Hello, we are uh, part of the pump team that went this this year. Uh, I'm Neil Jap. Got uh, Ron Page, Paul Henderson, uh, Pastor Hector was helping us out, and so was uh, Roland. Um, when we were going around uh, repairing wells, we had other parts uh, team members jumping in and out when uh, when they weren't busy with their section of uh, ministry. So what you have up behind you is uh, before and after pictures. Uh, the before, the water sources the village villages had were uh, streams. Um, the one where the ladies bend over is a open pit uh, well, and then you have rivers as well. The uh, the streams are pretty muddy, and uh, I've seen the pictures before, and you think about streams, but you don't see too many streams and rivers flowing around Ridgecrest to actually, you know, keep in your mind what that is actually like. I grew up as a kid, and then, uh, being over there reminded me of the, all the critters and stuff that crawl around in the waters that are that dark and muddy, and it's uh, really not a good water source to be drinking. So we're the after shows the uh, the fresh water that was brought to the uh, the villages. Okay, so the first portion of uh, Togo we went to was in the northern part, uh, not quite far north as uh, Mongo is, but it's still pretty good ways from the coast. Uh, we replaced three, uh, we fixed three wells. We replaced two completely with uh, new pumping hardware, and uh, one just had poor seals, so it took a lot of effort for the uh, the women or, or the younger uh, kids who were fetching the water. Somewhere around five or six minutes is what they were quoting to actually get the water to start flowing because all the, the water in the cylinder was draining out. So um, got that fixed uh, and got the water flow to increase with a, with a lot less, less effort. Uh, the area around up there is uh, dry, not quite as dry as Ridgecrest. Uh, mountainous, uh, uh, there's some rolling hills, uh, sparse trees, that kind of, that kind of environment. So in Cara and the surrounding areas, we got to work with the pastors, the people, and we got to see God at work. Uh, the pastors we got to work with, there you saw a picture of some of them earlier. Here's a different picture of them. Uh, the pastor on the I forgot last time, the right-hand side is uh, Pastor Boudelay, and he actually came out to the well site with us, and we got to work with him. He had just a, a wonderful heart, and he was filled with, with joy. Um, when you get started to get worn down and tired, he would uh, help keep the morale of the pump team up and uh it was it was great to work with them they have a uh, huge heart for the people of togo and we actually got to learn a lot more about togo uh the people the uh the politics and what the people thought about the country and stuff uh, in the hour and a half two hour uh vehicle rides to and from the well work sites and uh you, you want to talk about the people 
<laughs> rough road traveling. <laughs> Average speed on the, on, on the main highway is about 35 miles an hour because of all the potholes and the way the, the uh, road is tore up from the rain every year. Um, the people, this, this uh, picture here, this is a village that we went to uh, three years ago that Roland talked about. Uh, these people are always eager for us to come to the villages, and they're very eager to help get in there and do some hands-on. Um, we went in there, you know, gung-ho. We had a brand-new pump. We were going to install it. We get in there. We start assembling it, and we get to the, the bolts, the nuts at the base, and they're rusted. And every attempt that we made, we could not get these nuts off. We were, we were uh, looking at uh, failure again. But these people, these guys got in there. They brought in a hammer and a chisel, and they spent over an hour and a half to remove four nuts off the base of these, this pump here. So we were able to continue. We got this pump off. We installed the new pump uh, we had bought at uh, one of the uh, hardware stores that Pastor Boodley knows of, and we were able to get this village going uh, with fresh, clean water. Um, these people, when we talked to them about the Lord, we shared the gospel, they reminded us that three years ago they had accepted Christ and that they, and they said that they were very eager to, to uh, continue learning about God and to have somebody continue uh, to minister them to, uh, you know, just teach them all there is that they could learn. After spending a couple days up in the north, we headed down south uh, to Chico and Palome area. This is where the Abwe Hospital is that where Gary and Susan are currently at. It's a big medical facility that uh, is all, all the doctors and nurses are missionaries. They're, they get a lot of uh, uh, part-timers or short-termers that come in there for two, three months at a time. We were there. We went out uh, to some spots that Garen had uh, helped survey that needed some work. We uh, replaced three pumps in the villages. Two of them were villages that we had been to previously that we were unable to do anything. Well, one we were unable to do anything with, and one we repaired, but it quit working just a few months ago. And then uh, the, the one pump was a French-made pump. The lifespan of those is, is about 10 years. They were installed back in the mid-'80s, and uh, there are no parts available for them, and so uh, the team was able to take that, take it to a local welding shop, get some repairs made onto it, take it back out there, and get it working. So uh, four villages got brand-new uh, pumps or functioning pumps for clean water. This is a, a picture of a pump. One of the uh, villages that we worked, we replaced that pump. Um, this pump here, or this village, after we got them water, we met with the chief. The chief always wants to meet with you to, to give appreciation, show appreciation. And during that meeting, you know, we were sharing the gospel with him, and he asked that we continue praying for him and his villages, or his village. Um, it was very apparent that people have been ministering to this village, both in hygiene, you know, some of the, the practices they have for uh, personal hygiene was something that they're not used to, but we saw that. And then also, you know, I, like I said, uh, they asked us to continue praying for them and uh, that they will learn more about the Lord.
Um, the first one, uh, the UPM that we went and had the weld job repaired on, we weren't uh, initially supposed to go to that village. There had been some mix-up with the names. We had actually gone an hour and a half in the wrong direction, but uh, we were supposed to be there because that, that, that pump that had uh, needed the welded repair hadn't been working for about eight years. And uh, when it was up and running and providing fresh water, replaced a, a stagnant pool, which had been left by the rainy season, which the villagers were using as a water supply. Um, it was not too far away from a large market, so it impacted a, a good number of people. Um, Ron was talking about the differences uh, you see in the people and the villages when they get education on health and clean water. Um, one of the doctors at the hospital actually made a comment uh, when we were having dinner. Uh, as they have dinner in a large cafeteria-type area. And uh, he made a comment about the, the impact of having fresh water and the health education and um, how his job is, is really treating the, the problem on the other end, whereas the fresh water and the, the health education is, is attacking it um, up front. And uh, is there anything else you want? Okay. So, and so next uh, we're talking about some wells we replaced, some, some wells we repaired. Um, this might not be a direct translation of what the sign actually said, but this is equivalent to the Home Depot um, and that we, we visited when we were uh, up north in Cara. And uh, repairing these, these wells is, is pretty difficult. Um, as Ron was saying, the parts are pretty much non-existent, and uh, it's difficult to get parts. It's difficult to import parts into this country, and, and the ones you can get are pretty expensive. Sometimes uh, it takes multiple trips around town, up to a half a day of your time to uh, get bolts or pipe fittings or uh, PVC glue. So uh, repairing these, uh, doing a repair job, it does get water to the people, and that's, that's important. Uh, but the unknown life expectancy, we had one pump which we wound up completely replacing. It worked for about 15 minutes, and then it seized up on us. We had to come back the next day and just put new hardware in. Uh, the new, new installations... Um, They've uh, determined there's a uh, lower-cost pump that comes with all the parts, um, has higher reliability, and possibly more cost-effective to, uh, to get uh, reliable water to the, the villagers. Uh, the bottom, what is that right? bottom right of the uh, shows the uh, Home Depot quality assurance team. Um, interchangeability of parts is, is not a big thing over there, so you've got to check every bolt and everything before you actually leave the hardware store to make sure they fit together. And uh, we've, we've learned to do that, so... I think next Paul has some slides. So this is one of the wells that the um, people up in the mountain were using instead of the well that the team couldn't fix three years ago. And it's the, also the one that the villagers spent an hour and a half chiseling. And this is the well that we put in that is now pumping clean and fresh water for the village there. And there's the team around the well that we could fix. And this one is another one that just took some thinking to do because the top of it was all rusted out where that pulley is. And we brought a new thing over there, and it wouldn't fit. So we had to spend, like, two more hours um, filing away at the base of the other one that we brought so it would fit. And then when we put it all together, 
it pumped for like 10 minutes and then it seized up and wouldn't go anymore. So we decided to take a new system in there and just retrofit it. I think that's it. Okay, we lost one of our members with the children ministry, but it was awesome. Um, the first two times I went to Africa it was me solo, then Tara went last time, and then this last time we had Virginia and the team, and they are really spoiling me. Um, just a view of kind of what children's ministry all, is all about. You know, this was a great setting for that mountaintop village. We, um, we had these video things. We went around playing with a megaphone from an iPod, and they played like a gospel message in French, story of the cross, the story of Jesus' birth, resurrection. We had like 20 of them, and we could just pick. They were like two-minute clips each. And we just played the resurrection or the, the crucifixion, and then we gave the kids a coloring project, and Virginia's holding up you know, the picture to draw. And in, so in the foreground there you have children's ministry with the girls and a pastor. In the background you have, you know, the pump team down there um, fixing that well on the mountaintop. And Garen wanted this children's ministry ongoing because in the past these kids would all be down there around the well. And those guys leaning up there would be chasing them away with switches. And so what an incredible opportunity to present the the kids with the gospel of Christ. And what you don't see to the right of this picture, up up a little trail to the village, Susan and Tina here are doing a, a, a um, women's ministry, teaching them clean sanitation habits, which you'll hear more about lately. Over to Tara. So, uh, me and Virginia were my dad's little helpers. I'm currently speaking or taking French right now in school. So I would translate, and I would pass out crayons, and occasionally I would take a, a story and, do, and, like, and teach it, or I would draw and let the kids color. But one time the pastors came up to us, and they're like, um, we need you guys to split up. And my first thought was, you can't split up the kids' team. We are the team. But they split us up. <laughs> and... We went to a Bible. We went to a Bible club with the pastors, and luckily my dad was a room away. But I had a pastor who spoke English, some English, and I spoke some French. So I was like, "Yeah, we can do this with my French and your English. We can like communicate, and it'll be all good." So Virginia and I walk into this room, and we have all these little children sitting there, and they're so well behaved, and we're like, "This is going to be awesome." So we start coloring because we don't have the stories because my dad was doing the stories at the time. So we start them off with coloring. And it was going so well. And I was like, yes. And then we're like, now we're going to do gospel bracelets. So we bring out the gospel bracelets to these little kids who are probably between seven or like from like three to about seven years old. So they were little kids. We bring out the gospel bracelets. And beads just flew. (laughs) There were beads rolling on the ground. And there were beads in the air. But the kids loved it, and you can see how much they loved it by their, like, they're doing their gospel bracelets there and also showing the coloring that they did. And so Virginia was taking kids and, like, tying their gospel bracelets, and I was taking kids and tying their gospel bracelets, and uh, our pastor, Gaston, was giving the gospel story, 
and the kids were everywhere, and they were, like, listening, and they were trying to get our attention. And so I had to walk to my dad's room to get the stories for the next section, and I walk in, and it's like a rock concert in my room. Like, it's crazy, it's loud, and as I walk rooms, the, like, the sound level just like gets lower and lower. And I was like, what is this? And I walk into his room and all the children are sitting at their desk with like their hands folded and they're like nicely coloring a picture. And my dad is walking around holding a picture and the pastor is standing there. And it's just like the calmest room ever. And I was like, oh, well, this is nice. So I walk back to my room and I feel as though as I left, like the the uh, sound levels got like crazy louder and louder and louder. And I walk in and my room now looks like this. <laughs> this is the kids after their gospel bracelets. They're holding up their gospel bracelets. They loved those and they loved the attention that they got from us. But I was like, my French flew out the window and I was like, I don't know how to speak French. I'm trying to control this group of kids. But in my weakness, God was made strong. And he reminded me that I am here to do his work. And so we did get the gospel to these kids. And we did with the help of the pastor and uh, just loved on these kids. Yeah, I just had a hardcore pastor. I mean, when he said quiet, those kids were like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I got, the, I got the lucky straw here. Virginia, first time, um, she's in Africa. She did great. She, um, she was at the morning service. We can't be playing the piano had another service today, but um, she was a trooper, never complained about anything, and loved, every time I look at her, she had another little kid in her lap or holding her. We went to three orphanages, and I mean, those kids will just steal your heart. They just, just, the only thing they ask, they don't ask for gospel bracelets, they don't ask for candy, they just ask to be held in a little attention, and so it, it, w- it was just a real fun ministry to be in. Um, a plug for any of you um, junior high to senior high kids. You know, this is this is a graduation, really. I mean, Virginia went up through high school and, you know, did the Takati trips, which we're going to be gone on next week. And this is just service in the Lord. And it really is great to see kids in our church growing up and, and serving as faithfully as she did. This was um, just a tour of one of the orphanages that we actually went to. And sometimes um, Susan and the ladies' ministry could tag along, and they were a great help, too. Okay, this is um, a quick video snippet I have for just um, a, a, a view of what the African ladies actually do with water. Go ahead and just click on it, Garrett. Here we go. Here's water coming in. Each of those is like five gallons. I mean, Ten gallons per. Ten gallons per? So five of those fills one up. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, look at that. Wow. It's a quarter mile, about a quarter mile hike. Quarter mile hike down. And that, yeah, no well. Rest stop no rest stops along the way. Okay. So, so that was my commentary on Ron. And Ron actually went down with him that day. And, you know, it has an impact on you when, when you do things like this. And that night at Devotion, Ron gave us a little surprise. 
going to click on it, Garrett. I thought about watching them walk down to that river this afternoon wearing their skirts. It'd be so much cooler wearing one of those. Okay, he admitted it. He followed the ladies to the well, and now look at him. <laughs> yes. We need some help. <laughs> so, so good comic relief. Virginia got the same uh, material for the skirt that Ron had for his shirt that he's got on today. Okay, next we'll hear from our women's ministry. Hello. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tina, and a few weeks ago I had the incredible opportunity of going to Africa for my very first mission trip. I have to say, Africa is amazing, and I absolutely loved it there. While we were there, Susan and I had the opportunity of working with the ladies' ministry, and for that we'd gather all of the ladies together and we would talk about health concerns that they had. We'd share some information to help keep them and their families safe, and we would discuss illnesses and hand-washing and share things just to keep them healthy and strong. After our health discussions, we made tippy-taps with them, which are basically just hand-washing devices that use very little water. We made these because in their villages, their homes they don't have any sinks with to wash their hands. So having a device close by can help keep them healthier and keep them from getting those germs that are transmitted through illnesses and things like that. Another project we did with the ladies was to make and decorate food covers with them so that flies and animals wouldn't get into their food as, we, as they were preparing it. And in America, that seems a little bit strange to us. I mean, why do we need to go and teach about hand-washing and covering your food? But there, they honestly don't know that keeping their hands clean wards off so many transmissions of so many illnesses. They don't know what flies carry on them, and that gets into their food. They have no idea in many of these areas. So while we made the food covers, we, didn't, we gave out a piece of fabric to each lady, a needle, and some colored embroidery floss. I was so surprised to see that these ladies, they had never seen a needle before, and they had no idea what to do with it. And so we would walk around and we demonstrated a few of the simple stitches that we could do, they could do with them. They watched so intently as we demonstrated these stitches. Susan and I also helped out in a Christian hospital doing some administration tasks for them. Once we had finished those, they invited us to observe a few surgeries that they had, that they were getting ready to perform. During these surgeries, we learned that all of the doctors and the nurses working in this hospital are missionaries. They're either short-term or long-term, and they are there volunteering their time and their services at a very low cost, which is to say they get paid nothing. And the only minimal charges that they have is to cover the basic hospital expenses. Before a patient gets surgery, they watch a Christian video which explains the hope that we have in Christ. Because many of them have never heard it before, ever. Before the patient has surgery, as they're all laid out on the operating room table, the surgeon comes up to him and he lays his hand on their shoulder, praying to God for them for a safe surgery, and for a full and complete healing and recovery. Also, that they would come to know Christ. Susan also helped some of the other ministries during our time there. She would play basketball with the ministry children just to brighten their days up a little bit. And she would also help out in a lot of the schools and the orphanages nearby. She always found some way to brighten the day and share Christ's love with all of those that she came in contact with. 
We've heard a little bit about the villages and the women and getting water, so I just want to share a little bit more about what that's like for them. They have the responsibility of caring for their families, and that involves chasing down water. So twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening, these girls, who are anywhere from 8 to 65 years of age, they take this big 10-gallon bowl, we saw some pictures of that, and they walk to the nearest stream or river, they fill it up with water, and then they put it on top of their heads and walk back home. I can't even imagine carrying something that weighs almost 100 pounds on the top of my head the way these girls do almost every single day. The sad part is they work so hard to get water that is dirty and contaminated, and it leads to sickness and sometimes even to death. That is why I'm so thankful to Emmanuel and the incredible heart that they have for missions and for bringing clean water to all over the world and to share the hope that we have in Christ. I want to say thank you to each one of you for your support for the, for the mission team. Thank you for your many prayers, for the luncheons, and for the fundraisers, and for everything that you did to support us. It made such a difference. To each one of us on the team, to those in Africa, and to our Lord, so thank you. Thank you again. I'm uh, Pastor Hector from the Hispanic Church. I don't know if uh, somebody doesn't know me, but uh, I have the opportunity also to be on my first time in Africa. And uh, one of the things to resume uh, what my, uh, how can I see it now on Africa? So one of the doctors, when I come back, I went to the doctor and uh, she asked me about how Africa is, in, about they are poor or they have something. And she laughed when I told her, I doubt my country was poor. But now I think my country, El Salvador and Central America, they are rich compared with these countries. Imagine if uh, my country is rich, what's U.S. Uh, I will uh, invite you to the Bible on Matthew chapter 5. And I will invite one of the Bible readers. I don't know who is available from the team to read the Bible. Fred. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. We are going to read from verse 13 to 16. Matthew 5:13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather in a lampstand. It gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Thank you, Fred. Uh, at the first service, they told me seven minutes, and it looks like I spent like 20. So uh, I will try to be short. I don't know how, how long do I have now. I, I have Roland now with uh, instructions so he can tell me exactly when I have one minute left. So I don't go too far. 
it's uh, 12 o'clock, so not not too much, verdad? Uh, well, well, I can keep uh, going until seven when our service finish. So, <laughs> uh, thank you for being here, and uh, uh, that's a wonderful time we spent over there. And when we saw the Bible telling us we are the light and we are the salt, and uh, when we go, when uh, we saw. On this place over there on Africa, especially in Togo, uh, how the darkness is on this place, how uh, these people live, and how the exterior world, uh, like us, and, and like Occidental world, see them, and how even the United Nations see them. When you go to some villages, you can see the... Um, uh, some kind of how they call it? signs about uh, this is like a humanity humanity property and you have to pay we pay like ten thousand it was fifteen hundred CFA per person to go inside the village and who has, uh, who um, who got the money we ask we never know who who got the money but not the villages. And uh, how do, do they want to keep them that way? Because they want to show everybody else from visitors how the people, they live on those tribes. They don't want to let them to get out from wherever they are in darkness. And this is our United Nations doing that. They are not happy to to us as 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 Christians to go on those village and teach them uh, how to get out from darkness and come to light because they want to keep them that way so everybody can can see them and um, we went over there and we can we couldn't see the dark the darkness on those places. We couldn't see uh, how they do um, sacrifices. We went to one temple, and they have all the bones inside. And it was a little bit scary because it was like so dark in there. But we went in there. It was a lot of bones. And the idols on the outside, the gas on the outside of the temple. Actually, I was uh, laying down on one. I didn't know it was their God until the guy who was giving the tour uh, tell me, that one is one of uh, their guys, and you are laying down on him. So I got surprised, and I I move away, and and and, but that's what they believe, and they teach them those guys, they idols. Uh, if they go away from their guys, they they this this god can kill them. So they have to be there. They have to 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 stay there to believe what they believe. To do what they do, and don't go because those 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 guys want to them to to keep doing whatever they are doing. It's the way they live, and it's it is sad when you saw those people just get, uh, uh, get up in the morning, go. You can see them when the sun rises, sun goes down. They just stay 
around. They just go around, but they don't do nothing. There is no hope, nothing to do. We think about uh, how our life goes here, running from one place to another one, always in a hurry because we don't have time. We have so many things to do. And those people over there, they, they don't have no hope, nothing to do, nowhere to go. Just be there and live wherever they can call that uh, life and wait to die without doing anything, without any hope or nothing. It is, it is a, a, nothing that we can compare with uh, our busy life or life we have over here in, in the United States. It is dark. And it's, it is really sad for these people. But the good thing, the good thing for those people is uh, when, we, when missionaries go over there, when we are preaching them, not just giving water to them, but preaching to them, and they accept Christ, they, they become free. One of the missionaries I was talking about, one of the pastors I was talking about, he, he, uh, he told me about he was one of them. Even one of the Bible translators who translated the Bible to, 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 to those languages was telling me, I was one of those kids afraid from those guys. They told me about Jesus, but I don't want to go to another guy because this guy is going to kill me if I go away. But one day, a friend told him, just trust Jesus and try it. You don't lose nothing. If you don't like it, just go back to your guys. And he tried it. Both, both pastors, they told me the same thing. They, they tried it. And they, after that, they, they, they started feeling something different. Before, they feel like trapped. Like in jail. But after that, when they start reading the Bible, when they start... Uh, what Bible think, uh, uh, God think about us, how this sacrifice of Jesus give uh, to us the liberty, they, they feel free. And they start reading the Bible and studying the Bible, and they don't, don't feel that fear that was feeling before. Now they can live. Now, now they can don't, don't see, just like get up the next morning, the next day, and do nothing and die. Now they can... Do something else. Now they can think about and help their uh, partners, their children, their other people over there to get out from, 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 from that uh, darkness. Now they can study the Bible, go to the Bible study, and become like a Bible translator. This can say if, if no missionaries goes to his place, probably he will be one of those guys without clothes just doing sacrifices to those idols. But just because some missionaries went over there and, and, and give it to them, not just the water to drink, but also the living waters, he get out from there. God take him out from there. And now he's one of the Bible translators, just giving the Bible on their own languages. So how the impact the gospel is doing on those, those guys? Susan and Harris now, they have to go to French next year to, to learn the language for about six months. Because it, it, it's hard to, to, to do this work with uh, 
when they can't understand you. Sometimes we go with the people talking English to French, French to Awi, Awi to another dialect for translator to give a message. So what the reason sometimes I get confused and, and I start talking Spanish also. And nobody understand me. And I didn't realize until one of them told me, hey, Hector, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I have to, to stop and, and start thinking again on, on English. But you heard so many languages, you got confused. And God is raising people over there. He's raising these pastors. Like Pastor Burley. He, he has, I don't know, like 100, 200 churches. He worked like a sales. I asked him, he's, he, he, he said he worked like uh, doing homeworks, home groups like for Bible studies, but they don't do Bible studies, home groups. Now they plant churches because they go with one, one church in one village and uh, a month, two months later, there is no 10 people. It is 20, 40, sometimes 60 people on one month. So they can't plant just a Bible study group. They plant one church because they grow up so fast. So this church in three months, six months, they cut the people. They, they use that word. They cut it like 10 people, uh, 50 people, and they send it to another village, another pastor. So they plant another church. And they go just like that. Just every pastors, every pastor who, who are in, in process, they know once they go to one place, they have to plant churches. It's all they know. They don't teach nothing else to go to do Bible studies, to do um, things in church, to entertain the people. No. They don't think that way. They think we have to help our people to get out from darkness. They have to be saved. And that's the way they think. They just go and keep planting churches. Keep saving people. And God is with them. They plant churches like every three months. They are planting a new church. So this pastor, he said he has like a 200 churches already. So they are planting churches. The darkness is going away and the light is coming out because those people are... Being a light, like we are called to be. This country is it is the opposite. Over there is dark, and the light is coming in, and the light is winning. But here in the U.S., it's the opposite. We was the light. The gospel went from this country to every part, not just from America, from every part of, of the world. But what's going on now in U.S.? It was the light, but the darkness is covering U.S., the darkness is coming and covering every, every place. Some of the Jews, most of the Jews, they don't know about Christ. They don't know about God. They don't want to go to the church if they go just for religious reasons. So we need to keep working and thinking we are the light. God called us to be a light, to be a salt. Not just to be a religious man. Not just to come to the church on Sunday and think we did it. Or we give a favor to God just coming to the church. God doesn't need you to do that. He needs your heart. He needs your whole body, your, 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 your work, all your mind. Whatever you do to touch others. 
to make the darkness go back. But the only way to do that is become a real Christian, a real follower of Jesus, a real uh, people who are going to, to give a flavor to another ones, to live the gospel wherever you, you are, in your house, in your work. Wherever you are, you have to be giving favor, uh, flavor to another ones. So they can feel it. They can feel the difference. They can see you are different than them, and they can saw you as a person. They want to uh, follow. They want something you have. We are the light, and we have to shine for these people over here, for this city, for this country, who is the darkness going so fast. And we are over here. We are people from God who are here. For what reason you are in rich Christ? For what reason I am rich Christ? I don't know, but I know God has a reason for every of us to be here in rich Christ, to be here in the U.S., on any part of, of the world, to be a light. We are the light, and we have to shine. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Hector. Well, isn't God amazing? Amazing. Takes a young man from El Salvador, brings him to the United States, calls him to be a pastor of a church here in Ridgecrest, and then sends him to Togo, Africa, to share the gospel. Did, now, did you, did you go to a people group um, outside of Togo uh, to a place that speaks Spanish in Africa? You didn't do that. You're supposed to go back. Okay, well, well, an amazing story. Now, Fred, when are you guys planning on going back again? Uh, we have, uh, okay, so. We get like All right, so if you are interested in participating in one of these trips, um, they're always looking for a new blood, and you can talk to, to Fred about getting on one of these teams. But uh, isn't that exciting? I am so grateful to be a part of a church that takes the Great Commission seriously. That we don't just send our money, but we send our people to go tell others about Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Thank you, church, for the sacrifice, for the prayers. Um, for you giving to the church budget, portion of what you give goes to help support Garen and Susan and their ministry uh, overseas.